0: Joining us now here as we kind of continue our radio row at home version of the show this week is our friend Ryan Rossillo, UVM graduate, former ESPN radio host, the ringer personality now host of the Ryan Rossillo show and one of the more accomplished people in sports media. Ryan, thank you for being with us. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks
1: for having me on. How are you
0: doing? I'm doing well as well. Help us continue the conversation we were just having. I am so uninterested in the LeBron versus Jordan debate, but I am interested in this. What story arc do you consider more impressive? The out-of-nowhere underdog story that is Tom Brady or the the has-all-the-expectations, hits-them-and-exceeds-them LeBron
1: James? Well, I mean... That's a good one. You know, like, there are different sports in the sense that you know, I always think it's kind of funny, like, the pride football people have about football, as opposed to, like, there's a lot of basketball people that argue the same stuff. You know, granted, I know what the ratings are and all that stuff, but there's also, you know, part of the ratings is because it's the exclusivity of the product. You know, there's not 82 of these games, and on one day, every day. So, anyway, the point is, is like, there's no version of events where the 99 player pick would end up being the best player of all time in basketball like it just it just wouldn't happen um but that's quarterbacking half the first round picks are busts. it gets even worse after that uh basketball drafts it starts far better than, than football does like i don't know if it's because one group is better than the other it's just kind of what the sport is so when you think about lebron and the size the vision the, like all of this stuff like when he won his first title I think it was the first one where he's like, I'm, just, okay, "I'm not even supposed to be here." And we're like, "I don't know, dude. You kind of look like <laughs> you belong out there." Um, <laughs> pretty good chance <laughs> if, you, if you put the time in with your physical gifts and size that you're probably gonna be pretty good at basketball. So um, that part, you know, makes it sound like I'm diminishing, you know, again, one of the most accomplished players. And by the time it's over, maybe the most accomplished player of all the time. Whereas Brady, you know, it's just you want to talk about somebody who's not supposed to be here. He got that late in draft. People didn't like him coming out. The physical gifts uh, really weren't there. Oddly, he just became much stronger um, and and more. He was he became like three different quarterbacks over the course of his career. Yeah. In mean, that first playoff run, he only had one touchdown pass in those three games. The Oakland game, he got hurt at Pittsburgh, and then in the Super Bowl, he had one. So it wasn't like he was lighting it up. As It was just, know, you know, go back 20 years, he was a game manager, and then he became somebody who could like, hang with Peyton Manning statistically if he wanted to. So... I probably lean towards Brady being the more, you know, Disney kind of story or this guy comes out of nowhere and does what he does, but it's not to diminish. Well, I think the two, I think we're talking about two athletes that are the best, best in team sports over the course of their careers, which is 20 years.
0: Celtics are going to take on the Sixers tonight, continuing the NBA conversation. And they're doing that with the best record in the NBA. That said, the trade deadline is tomorrow. We've heard the rumors about them shopping, maybe Danilo Gallinari and Peyton Pritchard, et cetera. They probably can't get a lot for that package, but what are you hearing about the Celtics? What do you think they need? If anything,
1: I think everybody wants wings and they want shooting. So if somebody who's like Jared Vanderbilt, Utah is kind of in limbo there who, Part of the whole favorite package, who I really like, like that's the kind of player a lot of people would love to have. I don't think they'd be able to out of anybody for him because the Celtics—the problem that they have is that you know the players that play in their regular eight-man rotation are all really good. Um, you know, the Derek White trade has been terrific, and that pushes somebody like Peyton Pritchard down. The Gallinari thing was probably a bit too much health risk, combined with the Brogdon health risk. But the Brogdon stays healthy, you know that price is either going to be way too much or not even close enough because of his track record with his health. So. They have a really good team. They have a really deep team. Maybe they're the best in the league. It feels that like way at times. But when you start trying to figure out how you're going to outbid other teams with Peyton Pritchard and an injured Dylan Balanari, which is basically the salary filler, then it comes down to like what kind of price they want to pay in picks. And What I like about what Brad Stevens does is so if they've got the pick wrong, they're like, you know what? like We'll use it first if we're good. At first, it might be in the 20s for somebody like Derek White. Granted, there's a swap come later on. So who knows what that'll end up being. Uh, I I think the league has started just giving these first away. Like I used to think they were kind of overrated. Now it almost feels like they're underrated because the return rate on them actually still isn't that good. It just sounds cool when you add first. So if they're going to be in competitive market for a wing or, you know, we've heard them connect to the Yaku Purple forever. I think Andre Drummond would be in play. I'm sure Chicago would find a way, but I don't think Pritchard does enough for you to add a rotation. Uh, player to a team that that probably has one of the strongest doesn't probably has one of the strongest ones or eight ones or nine in the nba so their problems are much better problems than some of these other contenders they're just trying to add to an already really good group i just don't know if they can go deep enough into the draft pick stuff and open other teams because it feels like there's just so many buyers right now not not as many sellers
0: the peyton pritchard story is fascinating to me because i'm always interested in what motivates players particularly young players and Pritchard's on the record and he said it recently to the Boston Globe that he wants to play and he wants to play more so on one hand I get it like you know hey go get yours and put up stats and make money or whatever on the other hand it's like you're on the best team in the NBA right now that sounds a little selfish what do you what do you make when you hear guys on good teams that aren't happy with their role we we heard this from Terry Rozier a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, I think you kind of have to have a little bit of a standing for me to hear about it all that much. You know, uh, yeah. I like Peyton. I think he's had kind of a tough run of it because he may completely banished him at the beginning. And then it was like, hey, you know what? We got this guy here who's actually pretty good. Really good shooter and handle a little bit more than you think. Um, and then it was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's actually pretty good. And then, you know, you bring in Brogdon after you brought in White, and then you're like, okay my minutes. It felt like Hauser was getting his minutes in for a stretch because Hauser actually holds up there defensively. Um, and the other problem is that usually the Celtics have something you don't really want to attack the defense. I mean, unless you get Rob Williams in the switch, you know, he's brutal with help. Horford's not necessarily somebody that you know you can just get by. The wings are really good. Smart holds up. Um, so, you know, when Pritchard's out for some of those other guys, it can get a little worse because he's getting attacked because there's such a drop-off. Not that he's pushes It's just that he's the easy weakest link of all those people out there. So I totally get it. He's worried. Like every guy that gets trapped and looks like he's gonna play for a while, are really worried about that second contract. But you know, I, I wouldn't none of this is surprising. It just if you keep hearing it too much from somebody who's the ninth or tenth guy, that's when it can become a problem. I'm not saying that's what it is yet, but you know, but it's just my personal preference at some point be like, hey, this team's shooting for a championship. And not worried about where the extension is going to be right now. It makes all the sense of the world. Like the guy has kind of gone in and out of the rotation. And I don't think it's, it's terrible. I think it's just a minute's crunch.
0: Ryan Rossillo the Ringer uh, podcast host, the host of the Ryan Rossillo show with us here on the Brady Farkas show on DEV. You know, we have, in addition to him just being the Celtics head coach, we have a uh, affection for Joe Missoula. His brother, Justin, was a starter for UVM the last couple of years here. And uh, how much credit should Joe Missoula be getting for Celtics success? Or is it just as simple as you've got Tatum, Brown and Horford and they're really good without the coach?
1: Yeah, I, I think coaches can screw it up more than they can prop you up to a level that you couldn't get to without them. Like, I'm much, like, people want to blame the coaches all the time. Uh, I just don't really like doing that, but for the same reason, like, I just think it's about the players. Like, nobody wins championships in this league unless they have a couple of those special guys and the Celtics have a couple of those special guys. I think what Mozilla deserves a lot of credit for is that through all the, you know, it's clear the players didn't want to lose Udoka. um, you know, they were, they were sort of, I think private, I don't know if it was private or not. They were kind of letting you know a little bit like, Hey, we're a little annoyed by the situation, not being told what's going on, but that was the way that it was going to be handled. Cause I think that's the way it needed to be handled at that time. So the fact that, you know, to get off to this great start, they had a weird offensive dip there for what felt like six weeks where all of a sudden nobody could make a shot in comparison to how well they're shooting in the first month of the season. But you know, the whole collective of it, that they had this best record, that you know they feel like as good a bet as anybody to win a championship i think he deserves a ton of credit because there's no way you can do that job without getting through it that first year realizing things you wish you had done differently it's just anything that's important you have to do it and then you look back and go okay what would i have changed he's doing that while also having this this really good basketball team so that part of it i think he deserves a lot of credit for as far as like specifically night to night oh i didn't like that i know it's like baseball managers. If you watch your team's season, if you watch 162, you're going to find a couple of things that you don't like, but she did differently. And I don't think any coach is immune to it. So overall, I think it's a great grade for them because they just kept the ship steady after what looked like a really controversial start to the season with the coaches.
0: UVM product Anthony Lamb has turned himself into a uh, relatively nice rotation piece for the Golden State Warriors. Now, he hasn't played the last three games. He certainly cooled a little bit from his uh, hot streak there in December and early January. But uh, what do you make of Lamb's kind of NBA run and kind of, again, turning himself into a useful rotational player for a
1: good team? Yeah, that's the most amazing part about this is that he has, you know, one point there. He had three lottery guys who couldn't get into the regular rotation and Kerr was going with him. At first, I kind of wondered, I, wait, are they doing this to mess with the other guys? <laughs> and you kept watching the games and you're just like, you know, Lamb moves the ball. He's really smart. Like all the stuff that he was really good in college, you're like, man, he can kind of do everything, run the offense through him. And and some of the mistakes you can make in the evaluation is that you'll look at him and go, okay, well, how many teams are going to let him go ahead and do these things? Well, the answer is not zero. No NBA team is going to go, let's have the offense run through Anthony Lamb, It's just not going to happen the thing about him having all those responsibilities in college is that he knew kind of like, how do I become the best player to play alongside the better options? And that's what's a uh, you know, huge credit to his basketball IQ is that he very quickly realized, okay, what style of player do I need to be to be the person the other guys are playing with? And with Golden State, you have to keep moving. You play to the end of the shot clock. You have to be ready positionally defensively. You know, there's a, there's a huge, there's a huge amount of responsibility in young players that are in that golden day rotation. And the funny thing is he, he figured it out and became more trusted quicker than they, all the other guys with massive profiles. So, you know, I don't think they are going to start punting on all these lottery guys. that are only a couple years in the league because lamb has been so steady. Um, but it, it was, it wasn't anything other than just a real appreciation for him, understanding what he was supposed to do and not trying to do the things he knew he wasn't supposed to do. And that's why I think a really established team left playing with him so much. So, it's a huge credit to him. It's a great like evolution story in a very short amount of time, um, and I'm I'm really blown away by the whole thing. I mean, we knew we knew the guy could play, but he was kind of this odd fit. How good of an athlete is he going to be? What is he going to be allowed to do? Is he going to be able to adapt to it all? And he did it. He I mean, he did it all in a really like plenty of teams that stink that he probably could have gotten buckets for, but he's doing it for a team that's still playing for something despite the frustration with their own injuries and their own records.
0: Ryan Rossillo, UVM grad himself and a uh, host on the Ringers podcast channel. It's the Ryan Rossillo show you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're traveling a bunch this week. I think you're probably in Phoenix right now for the Super Bowl. So assuming you are, enjoy the game. I'm sure you'll be out on Radio Row. Find the good food, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. All
1: right. Thanks, Ben. Enjoy the game.